the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We uh, are trained Marxists. Uh, if you don't know who that is, let me just remind you, that's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Yep. Let's hear it one more time. We uh, are trained Marxists. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is Morgan Zeggers. I'm so glad you wanted to join us again. We're all getting educated together in one fun circle across America. Aw, thanks for listening. I hope I'm speaking up for all the truckers out there that are struggling to hear my tiny little voice over the engine of their trucks. Thank you for listening. It's an honor. I love trucking music, trucker country music. Oh my gosh, I have a whole playlist on Spotify, but that's a whole other topic. You guys, today we're talking about Similar to what Black Lives Matter is doing, some cultural Marxist tactics that are being deployed across the country in our schools. We're talking about the wokeness that is destroying not only our schools, but also our military. Then we're going to transition into some border issues because I'm going to the border. Oh my gosh. On Thursday, I don't know when I'm releasing this. I'm recording this. Let's see. It's Wednesday. This is going out Thursday. Thursday night, I'm going down to McAllen, Texas at the border, and I'm speaking at uh, the county GOP dinner that's going to be down there. I'm really excited, and because of that, I was looking at the latest news about the border, and I saw some headlines that I just knew I had to show you guys. Next, uh, last thing that we're going to talk about are some other serious threats, because once I got into this issue of uh, national security, both at the border, and then I'm going to tell you a, a crazy story with what's happening with terrorists potentially being let into the country sneakily by the Biden administration, potentially connected to the Iran deal. Then after I saw that, my attention also was dragged over to some other issues that are coming out to light. And it turns out some new information is coming out about what was on Hunter Biden's laptop that was very compromising between him and Ukrainian and Russian prostitutes connected to potential government links in those countries. And, well, you know, it's kind of compromising when he owes a lot of money and isn't paying up his bills for prostitutes from countries that we have some serious problems with. And oh yeah, his dad's the president. But I digress. And then of course we got to talk about what's going on with the January 6 hearings because apparently Trump tried to take <laughs> I can't even say it. Apparently Trump tried to take control of a limousine from the back seat of the limousine. We'll get into it. Let's get started. All right, first thing I'm looking at, you guys, I'm going to pitch it again. If you haven't read Age of Entitlement, it's a game-changing book. I'm not even going to say what's in it because I kind of want to I want to keep it a surprise. It's a game-changing book. Order the book on Amazon. Message me once you've read it. But once you've read it, you understand how serious things have been since the 60s in terms of the corruption of our government process and how dangerous it is to invite the federal government into every aspect of our lives and how that was done starting in the 1960s. With that being said, we're having an expansion on that right now, or at least a proposed one. 
coming from none other than the Progressive Caucus. Let me just remind you guys that there's an entity out there called the Justice Democrats. Justice Democrats runs people like AOC in primaries against establishment Democrats. They want to replace the Nancy Pelosi types, the people that will side with Nancy Pelosi, so classic Dems, capitalist Dems, establishment elitist Dems, and they want to replace those kind of people with radical AOC economic socialists. You tracking? So they go to the primaries of these deep blue districts where no matter what, a Democrat is, is going to win. And they say, hey, we're going to challenge this Democratic incumbent and we're going to replace them. Once they've replaced them, that person can then join the Progressive Caucus in Congress. When a leftist calls themselves progressive, run, run for the hills, never follow them in their political movement. Because whenever a leftist tries to bring progress to a country, it ends with what? Massive death, mass starvation, famine, tyranny, and government oppression of the people. That's what history tells us. So you have the progressive caucus in Congress that's actually just the true socialists that are trying to take and gain power from the establishment Dems, gain power because then once they have more numbers in the progressive caucus, they have more bargaining power with legislation, with what gets put out for a vote, with who gets put in leadership positions in the democratic caucus, all that stuff or democratic side of the house. Uh, that's what's happening right now. But this progressive caucus has some new news. They are, Basically, from the age of entitlement situation that I was telling you about, they're doing a whole new attempt. They're trying to get us into a new phase of it by expanding that, all those efforts back then. And by that, I mean they're trying to unveil the Transgender Bill of Rights. I'm looking at an article right now from The Hill, and it says, A group of House Democrats on Tuesday announced they would move to codify federal protections for transgender people. The proposal, dubbed the Transgender Bill of Rights, would codify the Supreme Court's 2020 uh, Bostick versus Clayton County decision that protects employees against discrimination for being gay or transgender. The proposal would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to explicitly include protections for gender identity and sex characteristics, expand access to gender-affirming care, and ban conversion therapy. Listen, I'm not a fan of ban of... Uh, I'm not a fan of conversion therapy, but those two first things we got to talk about quick. Gender identity is a scam. There is a true serious issue for a very small amount of people on this planet where they are biologically made in a way that they are confused about the body that they are in. Gender dysphoria is a serious mental and physical problem that a small percentage of people in this world experience. It is nothing like the transgender movement that we are seeing now, especially with the distortion of teaching basic science to kids, confusing them en masse, and then wondering, oh my gosh, no wonder 40% of Gen Z right now identifies in the LGBTQIA plus alphabet mafia. It's crazy. So to then put into, when they say they want to do this, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, when they say they want to add that, they would make that federal law constitutional, okay, to protect gender identity. I was listening to somebody, and, and this is very basic concept. Everybody's talking about it these days, but this person, I can't remember who it was, said it so well of if you can convince people to reject what has been around for thousands of years, the concept of 
a man and a woman, if you can convince them that there are endless numbers of genders or hundreds or even dozens or even five instead of the two and then a few people here and there that have gender dysphoria, then you can do anything. You can control anything. And if you can create such basic chaos in society, you can have your way with it after that. And that's what's happening right now. So to consider this a bill of rights for gender identity when it's something that they just created and really just started pushing in the last 10 years as if it's some official pro-science phenomenon, when in reality for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years the science has said otherwise, you really don't see a concern with that? I, I will not allow this. I cannot accept this becoming a part of our government. Unfortunately, it's heading that way. So the next thing is to expand access to gender-affirming care. Now, when they say this gender-affirming care situation, these sickos are often talking about for young people with their minds not exactly straight because your your brain isn't even done developing when you're still a teenager – Teenagers are saying, hey, I want to do something like cut my breasts off. I think I'm a boy. And so as a girl, I want to cut my breasts off. I was just watching a video by Landon Starbuck, and she's sharing a testimony from a sweet 17-year-old named Chloe who calls herself a detransitioner. And she's testifying to this government board saying, the doctor used my threats of suicide to scare and force my parents into con- into complying with me getting gender-affirming care. And now I can't pee without having blood clots. Now I don't know if I can give birth to a child. That makes me so sad for that, that girl. She's still a girl. And at 13, when she started feeling uh, unsure of herself because society was saying that it's totally normal to consider, oh, maybe I'm actually a boy and not a girl, the doctor that her parents were taking her to told the parents, listen, you've got to support her gender-affirming care, and you've got to support her surgery to have her breasts cut off. She's never going to be able to breastfeed her child. Now she can't even pee without bleeding. And now she absolutely knows that she probably will never have children again. And this started when she was 13, went until she was 16, and then as a 17-year-old, she is now detransitioning back to a girl because those psychopaths gave her gender-affirming care that completely distorted her body, when in reality, she just needed structure and guidance from the adults in the room. Sickening. Sickening. I am disgusted. So that's what the current progressive caucus is trying to do. They're trying to make this into federal law. And not only that, let me find out where it is. Um, Oh, here we go. It says it would also require the attorney general to designate a liaison dedicated to overseeing enforcement of civil rights for transgender people and invest in community services to protect anti-transgender violence. You guys... I would respect them a lot more if they didn't lump in things like cutting off young girls' breasts when they think that they are a boy, when they are still in their early puberty years and don't exactly know what life even is at that point. I would respect them a lot more if they were serious about giving care to people that are in such weak mental states. Um, The next thing, though, with this woke stuff, I'm looking at another article. Let's see. It's by Freebeek and Robert Schmad. The title says Seattle schools want to spend more on racial equity programs than math and science. 
As more students fail to meet academic standards in Seattle, public education officials in the city are proposing that diversity, equity, and inclusion programs receive more funding than core academic subjects. Seattle Public Schools would spend more than $5 million on so-called DEI initiatives, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, including a, quote, racial equity analysis tool and an after-school program for black male students who are, quote, referred to as kings, according to a district budget proposal for the 2022-2023 school year. The budget allots a little more than $4.5 million for core academic subjects like math, science, and literacy. More than a half a million dollars would be cut from the science budget as well. The school district lists racial equity engaging students of color, and ensuring disciplinary policies are not used as a substitute for culturally responsive behavioral and social-emotional supports among its guiding principles for the budget. So more money would be going to diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives than to educating the students on math, science, and literacy. The decision to prioritize these DEI programs comes as students' proficiency in reading and math has fallen 6 percentage points and and, 16 percentage points, respectively. So in math, 16 percentage points lost since 2019. Test scores from last year found nearly 56% of Seattle students are not competent in science and about 57% are not competent in math. What? How does a school get by like that and then say they want to spend more money on these diversity things? I'm going to read that again. 56% of the students in Seattle are not competent in science. 57% are not competent in math. This is even worse. Just 30% of black students and 18% of Native American students are meeting grade level standards. Public school officials in the region have blamed COVID as the reason. I don't even know. I mean, first, the ultimate way to indoctrinate a population is not just to teach them certain behaviors and certain things that you want them to start taking on politically, but it's also to dumb them down. Because if you have a politically indoctrinated population that also is incredibly dumb with the basics like science math literacy the basics you need to succeed in society that is a powerful weapon that can be used by the hands of the regime that's disgusting and not only that but they are saying we need to put five million dollars to support minority students when in reality these students would probably benefit a lot more and their futures would benefit their future families their future communities would benefit a lot more if they were assisted into a better situation than only 30 percent and 18 percent of them meeting grade level standards that's just my opinion though i mean what do i know um Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's one example of the the woke failures. What's another one though? Let's look at the next article. I'm reading this from PJ Media. Get woke. Go broke. U.S. Military Edition. Army recruiting craters. Oh my gosh. This I'm just going to warn you guys. This is a bad one. It says the U.S. Army has not had a great year finding new recruits. Things have gotten so bad they've actually dropped the requirement for a high school diploma or GED. 
According to Military.com, the Army is a full 60% below its recruiting goal for the fiscal year. Recruiting has hit rock bottom to the point that the Department of Defense has reduced its planned total force size, even after its budget gets a huge anticipated increase in the next NDAA. Oh, man, that's sad. Okay. Um, For close to a decade, military officials have quietly warned of a pending crisis, reporting that a number of young Americans who even qualify to join the Army has shrunk to a minuscule level. They say only about one quarter of young Americans are even eligible for service these days, a shrinking pool limiting or limited by an increasing number of potential recruits who are overweight or are screened out due to minor criminal infractions, including the use of drugs like marijuana. Okay, that makes sense. The overweight thing totally makes sense why that must be a problem because we are, in general as a society, becoming very physically unhealthy. Um, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on the recreational drug restrictions, though. Um, I'll have to look more into that one. It says here, though, That task and purpose, the military blog, it gave two possible explanations, noting that advertising campaigns are just missing the mark, and in general, we aren't doing a very good job with technology in that way. But I think what's even more interesting is that this guy Chuck Holton, another military blogger, he criticized in a response to the task and purpose article uh, a, a bit more aggressively, and he said, good article. Make some salient points worthy of further attention by the media, but the authors miss one large reason why young people aren't joining the military. The kind of men and women who are predisposed to selfless service are often those who have no desire to join the woke mob. Today's military has alienated conservative, God-fearing patriots who aren't willing to get the jab or sit through interminable struggle sessions on transgenderism. <laughs> who is this guy? I've got to meet him. Chuck Holton. I'm going to go Google him after this. Um, yeah, you guys, exactly. That's what I'm hearing on the ground is that, first of all, these people believe in freedom, autonomy over their own bodies. And if they believe in freedom, they're probably not going to join a military that's going to force them to get vaccinated as soon as they get in. Um, the next thing is these struggle sessions. We saw these in communist China. We saw these in uh, Cambodia with the killing fields. You see them very Often when a leftist mob rises to power and really takes over culture and these struggle sessions are are intended to make the oppressive class apologize and address their faults, address the ways that they are privileged and let the circle know that they are more aware of the space that they take up. This has been a classic tactic for uh, decades at this point, maybe centuries, because uh, this started early in the, the 20th century at least. But back to this article, it says the article also misses the point that there are far fewer American youth who can pass the physical and moral requirements to join. The numbers of waivers for drug use, cutting, and other concerning behaviors is at an all-time high. Looks like the Army is finding out the hard way, get woke, go broke. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean... The behavior of the military leaders of President Biden, that's probably definitely a big deterrent. On top of that, the concern over the vaccination requirement that's completely unpatriotic, unconstitutional, ridiculous to see it in the first place. It's its a shame that that happened. I wouldn't want to join either if I was a young man and, and cared about my future in that way, uh, especially if you're going to go under the leadership of someone like Joe Biden. But this really does 
grab my attention here, this note about the mental health, that they aren't getting that because they're getting screened out. I think we do have a mental health problem, especially with young men in our country. And if they're going in trying to get inside of the military and they have serious issues that they haven't dealt with, as much as I'd like to think that they will get straightened out by joining the military, and we say that a lot, I, I, I'm sad to see that it's at a such an extent where they won't be able to go find that purpose and fulfillment by joining the military because they're too far gone already because society let them down so much. Man, that sucks. Um, last thing, what does he mean by army going woke? Last year, as our sister site Town Hall pointed out, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, defended crit critical race theory at West Point. <laughs> I forgot about this. Oh, man. Uh, General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff explained in a House Armed Services Committee hearing on Wednesday why he supports bringing critical race theory into the American military while admitting, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Oh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> thanks, Mark. You go read up on that one, but, but don't forget to tell the House Armed Services Committee what you think about it first, and then go get educated on it, okay? Oh my gosh. Mm. He says, quote, I do think it's important, actually, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read, Millie said. And the United States Military Academy is a university, and it is important that we train and we understand as a rationale for teaching critical race theory. Quote, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it, said the most senior military official in America, linking the term to the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> it's a terrible article. Okay, end quote from Mark Milley. Back to the article. It says, Understanding critical race theory, according to Milley, is important to find out, quote, What is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States? I want to find that out, he said. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and guardians come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. <laughs> the guy ends the article and says, It hardly gets more woke than that. The head of the Joint Chiefs believes our nation is deeply, perhaps fundamentally flawed. No big deal, right? <laughs> Perhaps America's high schoolers have soured on lectures about pri uh, privilege and white rage. Either that, or after years of these lectures, they no longer want to defend the country that their teachers, political leaders, and military apparatus repeatedly tell them doesn't deserve defense. Not exactly a smart recruiting tactic to maintain our nation's combat readiness. What a smackdown way to end that one. Of course, if our young men are taught that America isn't something worthy of being defended, both verbally in conversation and debate, and of course physically, of course you're going to have a kind of a hard time recruiting them to join the U.S. military. Of course, if you have debacles like Afghanistan, you're going to have a hard time getting young Americans to join the military. Of course, if you make them get vaccinations... You're going to have a hard time getting them to join the military. And of course, if you put out weird recruiting ads about lesbian mothers inspiring a young girl to join the U.S. military, and that is your idea of inspiration for our future military leaders, then you're not going to get patriotic, strong men to want to join the military. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the border and some security issues, thanks to 
President Biden and his sneaky, faceless bureaucrats that control him like a puppet. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What does that mean? I take it back? Kind of. Uh, you guys, I'm going down to speak Thursday night, uh, June 30th. I'll be in McAllen, Texas, uh, speaking at a county GOP dinner. I'm really excited. I, I love the Texas GOP, and they do great work, and they've really got uh, quite an opponent right now dealing with with the state turning more purple. Now, that being said, because I was going down there, whenever I travel somewhere, I like to look at the local news, see what's going on. And um, it's not shocking at all that this was one of the first things that come up. I'm looking at a headline now from Fox. Texas tractor trailer migrant deaths. Two Mexican nationals living in the U.S. illegally hit with weapons charges. So uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's it's been in the news for quite some time now. Um, but my home is in the San Antonio region. And so this was quite disturbing to find out that dozens now of, of bodies were discovered in a tractor trailer that had been abandoned. And so there are people that were still alive, stuck inside of it, but they overheated, they died. Dozens were dead amongst the few people that were uh, still living when it was discovered. And they were able so far to trace the tractor trailer plates. Uh, and I just want to give you guys an update on that quickly because it's just one small but huge example at the same time of the amount of death and suffering that is happening at the southern border. When a country doesn't have proper border regulation, proper monitoring, proper laws in general and the upholding of those laws, people suffer across the spectrum. You have the citizens of America that struggle. You have the children that are brought across, the sex trafficking that's happening, the human trafficking, the drug smuggling. There are so many layers to this problem. And unfortunately, this one example is just one example in a sea of suffering that is being caused by the Biden administration's dereliction of duty. So I'm looking at this right now, uh, and it says it says a majority of the dead in the tractor trailer were Mexican nationals, while foreign ministers in Guatemala and Honduras have claimed a handful of the victims. According to do court documents, San Antonio police officers researched the Texas plate on the semi-truck trailer and found it registered to an address in the 100 block of Arnold Drive. Officers established surveillance on the residents and found two men once they were able to get a hold of these guys, they found that both of them were in possession of illegal firearms. So that'll be that. There's not a lot of information about where they came from or what happened beyond this, but uh, it's definitely going to be a story that we should keep an eye out. This is just a friendly reminder that young girls, when they're traveling across the southern border, uh, being taken by coyotes and put through sex trafficking along the way, if they ever actually make it here safely, um, they are aware of the fact that they need to travel with plan B because they will absolutely, almost absolutely get raped and they have plan B just in case. So the girls are either put on birth control or are uh, traveling with little plan B packets. And yes, I, I mean girls when I say that. So just one disturbing example in case you weren't already infuriated with the Biden administration. And actually... If that didn't make you mad, I've got one more update on just disturbing security issues happening in the country. This article from the Free Beacon, it says the Biden administration just made it easier for terrorists to enter the United States. You might be like, well, Morgan, is, is that a clickbait article? 
Please tell me that's a clickbait article. <laughs> it's not. Um, let's see. It says the Biden administration altered federal law to make it easier for individuals who have worked with designated terrorist groups to legally enter the United States. The state and Homeland Security Departments last week amended the federal immigration laws to allow foreigners who provided, quote, insignificant material support, end quote, to designated terror groups to receive immigration benefits or other status, according to the policy published in the Federal Register, but not formally announced by the Biden administration. So, yeah, so, so they did this recently and didn't tell the public about it, just posted it on their bureaucratic website because apparently we now have to monitor those things since they love to sneak things by. Friendly reminder, they also tried to sneak those changes to the international health regulations that uh, had to do with empowering the WHO that is controlled by communist China and its puppets. Uh, Tedros, who was put in charge by them after they bought votes of developing countries, but I digress, um, when Biden wanted to propose changes to that, that would empower the WHO to be able to declare that there was a pandemic or a, a massive spreading of a disease in a country that could lead to international issues, that the WHO could come in and take control in many ways to try and mitigate the risk of spread and then punish financially and politically the countries that didn't comply with their expected solutions that were proposed by the WHO. Remember that? That was also another sneaky thing the Biden administration didn't publicly announce but had to be uh, discovered. But back to this situation, it says examples of individuals who would fall in the new category, according to the announcement, include individuals who provided humanitarian assistance or routine commercial transactions to terror groups. The policy shift is fueling concerns that the Biden administration wants to make it easier for individuals who work with or for Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, IRGC, the country's paramilitary fighting force that has killed hundreds of Americans to enter the country. Notice of the change came several days. This is the thing. Notice of the day of the change came several days before the Biden administration and hardline Iranian government resumed talks aimed at securing a revamped version of the 2015 nuclear deal. Are you tracking? So right now the Biden administration wants to get us back into the nuclear deal with Iran. Okay. And what's being assumed here right now by people with common sense is that the Biden administration sneakily helped and gave an under-the-table assistance to try and get in the good graces as they are in negotiations. That's what we're dealing with here. Uh, someone says, a State Department spokesman said the law was amended to help vulnerable Afghans who may have inadvertently worked with the terror groups gain refuge in the United States following the Biden administration's bungled withdrawal that left the Taliban in power. Lawmakers and former U.S. officials, however, say the new regulations are so broadly written that they would apply to organizations like al-Qaeda and the IRGC. The policy change is also raising red flags as U.S. officials, including former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, face credible death threats from Iran. The rule does not specifically mention Afghanistan at all, but it is written to cover all U.S.-designated foreign terrorist organizations, such as the IRGC and al-Qaeda. The Taliban is not designated as a foreign terrorist organization, leaving lawmakers and former U.S. officials concerned that the changes extend far beyond vulnerable Afghans and cover those tied to some of the globe's most violent terror groups. 
Are you guys tracking this? That is asinine. It makes total sense, though, that they would do this. Those noobs. So there's someone from the State Department, Gabriel Noranha, a State Department special advisor for Iran during the Trump administration. Sorry, he's not currently there. Uh, this is from Trump administration. He said about this, quote, at best, this is a horribly written regulation. At worst, it's an attempt to pull the wool over the eyes of Congress and the American people and make it easier for terrorists to come to America. Richard Goldberg, who under Trump served on the White House National Security Council as director for countering Iranian weapons of mass destruction, said that any effort to loosen restrictions on terrorized individuals is worrying among Iran's threat to kill U.S. leaders. Republican lawmakers agreed with this assessment. Just some examples. We have uh, Joe Wilson from South Carolina. He said the timing raises concerns coming for just a few days before the latest round of Iran talks. President Biden should end these failed negotiations once and for all and return to a policy of maximum pressure rather than continuing to make concessions to the terrorist regime in Iran. Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana, a former member or no, a current member of the House Armed Services Committee, said he and his colleagues worry the Biden administration is attempting to grant concessions to Iran via backdoor changes to American laws. That's what I think this is. Then you also have Lisa McLean and Pat Fallon, who expressed shock at how broadly written the new regulations are. Fallon said, in what world is it an acceptable decision to allow terrorists to enter into our country? Instead of ending the nuclear talks with Iran altogether, Joe Biden has decided to bend over backwards to the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism. Before it is too late, I urge them to immediately reconsider this foolish foolish decision. Man, oh man. I, I'm on board with the theory that this is all about timing as they are trying to get the nuclear deal figured out. That's absolutely what this is. Let's move on. So I wanted to end with two short stories that I thought might entertain you. We have some new information about what the heck was on Hunter Biden's laptop. There's a lot of things that are just too inappropriate for me to want to tell you, and you'll have to look that up on the Internet yourself. Um, You'll have a hard time finding it because Google loves to suppress that kind of stuff, but it is a fun search if you ever do find what the heck was on the laptop. I'm looking at a current article, Washington Examiner. Joe Biden unwittingly helped finance Hunter's trysts with Russian-linked escorts. It's by Andrew Kerr and Jerry Dunleavy. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry, guys. Um, But you guys, this, I'm not just telling you this to tell you that Hunter Biden experienced some time, some memories with some prostitutes from Russia. This is a story about how he owed them money, a lot of money, and When that happens, and these prostitutes are from Ukraine and Russia and concerning countries, and your father is president of the United States, or at the time was probably going to run, or was at least at the time a former vice president of the United States, you're putting yourself, your family, and your country in a very compromising position. The moral of the story here is that Hunter Biden is very compromised, and this is just yet another example. Uh, What I also thought was interesting, I think Greg Price posted this on Twitter, but he called out uh, something that's not getting a lot of attention in this aspect is you'll see that Joe Biden, the timing when Hunter asks him to send money, Hunter will then pretty much 
assuredly use that money that is sent by Joe via text of like, hey, this is being sent over to you today. Let me know when you get it. That money is then spent on prostitutes that are a part of a sex trafficking ring, apparently linked to Russia. So that's an interesting use of money from Joe Biden. And, and of course, there's no official proof that he knew that that's where the money was going to go when he sent it to his son. But whether he knows it or not, it is disturbing to know that his money was then immediately sent over for Russian escorts for his son, putting the family and the country in a very compromising position. I just want to read a little bit of this article. Um, it says, President Joe Biden apparently unwittingly financed his son's participation in an escort ring tied to Russia. Records from a copy of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop show. Hunter Biden spent over $30,000 on escorts, many of whom were linked to .ru, Russian email addresses, and worked with an exclusive model agency between the period of November 2018 and March 2019. So the article details the exchanges, the communication, the interactions, the sending of money back and forth between Hunter and the escorts and the, the woman in charge of the escorts and then Hunter and his, his father, Joe Biden, our president. But I want to skip that and just get to the important parts. It says, former federal prosecutor Andy McCarthy told the Washington Examiner, quote, we can all sympathize with Biden's love for his troubled son while recognizing that he was shoveling prodigious sums of money to Hunter Biden when the neon lights were flashing that Hunter was compromised and using the money to become ever more compromised and with Russia of all places. Joe Biden is the textbook example of why applicants with family members who maintain shady ties with foreign actors, particularly those connected to authoritarian anti-American regimes with highly capable intelligence services, get rejected when applying for a security clearance. But Joe Biden isn't just an applicant applying for a security clearance. He's the president of the United States with a highly compromised son. And that's the big story here, along with the massive timeline connections between the direct money that Joe Biden is sending to his son and the times that Joe, uh, Hunter then sends that money out to the escort service uh, that's based in Russia. Ooh. Speaking of presidents, I would... Be crazy to not mention the January 6th hearings. Now, you guys, I, I get a lot of people that say, how could you waste your time watching these hearings? You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. I'm going to watch it, and I encourage you to watch them. I encourage you to go back because they, they do live on the Internet now. You could just go find it on YouTube. I encourage you to watch the full testimony sessions for this January 6th committee hearing that they are publicizing. Because it's important for us to understand the language that they're using against us, the narrative that they are trying to build, and more importantly, the, what they want to do moving forward. Because they're going to try and use this as a tool, not only to change voters' opinions if 2024 comes around, but uh, do things similar to uh, controlling elections by controlling what candidates are allowed to participate. That's just a couple of the potential things that could happen. So I wanted to let you guys know that there's this crazy story going around because this woman, Cassidy Hutchinson, testified a wild story that has already been debunked, disproven, over and over and over again since in the 24 hours from her actually stating it and, and keep in mind, she's testifying to Congress, and so she's lying under oath right now, or at least that's what the proof is kind of showing, and the proof is in the pudding. So 
Article says, Committee of Lies, Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony collapses in record time. This is from Bongino.com. So getting right into debunking these accusations from Cassidy, it says, Among the bombshell revelations was that Trump wasn't afraid of the Jan 6 protesters. Why would he have been? And he knew they were armed. The allegation that got the most attention was that Hutchinson claimed that Trump became incensed when he wasn't allowed to go to the Capitol on January 6, and then he lunged at the steering wheel of the presidential limo, and then at the agent who grabbed him, he... Oh, the agent who grabbed him's arm to try and take it off the steering wheel. It's a cartoonish picture for sure, and one there was no reason to trust in the first place. I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Because apparently, upon departing his rally on January 6th, Trump didn't get into the presidential limo, often called the beast in the media. He got in an SUV, meaning the story can't possibly be true. Dan also pointed out that Hutchinson recalled Secret Service agent Tony Ornato as telling her that the president got in the beast. But no Secret Service agents, according to Bongino, call the presidential limo the beast. So apparently what's happening now is that Secret Service agents that were present during all of this are calling this BS, and we already have an agent saying he's willing to testify that this account is false. Uh... Oh, whoa, Ornato even, Tony Ornato, who Cassidy is apparently lying about, has also said that he's willing to come and testify against her story. Uh, the late, Later in the article, it says, other evidence presented during the hearing has been called into doubt too, such as a handwritten note Hutchinson allegedly wrote to Trump on January 6th, which she testified was written by her herself. Liz Cheney presented the note, which read, quote, anyone who entered the Capitol without proper authority should leave immediately. But now a spokesman for former Trump lawyer Eric Hirschman is saying he wrote it. How can you possibly get away with such big lies? Now, are these going to be uh, struck down on social media? Any of these clips of her original testimony that are going viral right now because it's the biggest story in the country that Trump tried to grab a limo and go rally up the protesters at the Capitol in person himself? That is asinine. That's not going to be taken down for misinformation or for lying or for uh, political misinformation, most importantly. It's never going to happen. You won't get it from them. Um, but, you guys, I'm going to cap it off here. I hope you guys have a nice time. I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this and you want to support, please uh, subscribe. Give us five-star review with words. Give me a little worded review and share this with your friends. Post it on your story that you listen. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.